This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. A long agenda faces the U.S. Congress in this election year. Kentucky Senior Senator Mitch McConnell says the upper chamber faces a number of issues, including appropriation bills and farm policy, but also the approval of hundreds of appointees for the Trump administration. Our majority in the Senate is 51-49, but Senator McCain has been ill and hadn't been here since December. So we're 50-49. We can confirm people with a simple majority. But uh, the Democrats in the Senate have been very obstructionist in preventing uh, nominations from happening in a more routine fashion. So we end up spending a lot of time on personnel. Uh, for example, the week you were here, uh, we did a circuit judge. We're going to confirm a secretary of state and confirm an ambassador to Germany. Uh, so we spent the whole week, this particular week, on the personnel portfolio, which is <clears throat> what's really different about the Senate. The House is not in the personnel business. Mm-hmm. There are over 1,200 executive branch appointments subject to Senate confirmation. So we spend a lot of time, you know, helping the president get staffed up and also um, dealing with lifetime appointments to the courts, which has been a big priority of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may recall, I decided not to allow President Obama to fill the Scalia vacancy in the middle of the election on the Supreme Court. We've now filled that with a new judge, Justice Gorsuch, but we've also done 15 U.S. Circuit Court judges. That's the second step below the Supreme Court. Um, Most litigation doesn't make it to the Supreme Court. Those are extremely important. We did 12 last year. That was more than the first year of any president since the Circuit Court system was created in 1891. So, yeah, we're, we're, we do a lot of personnel work around here in addition to legislation. You most recently approved the omnibus spending bill that takes care of the rest of this fiscal year. But I understand you're also working with Senator Schumer and talking about fiscal 19. Is there hope you can move the appropriation bills in regular order? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we had a meeting, in fact, just yesterday. The chairman of the committee, uh, Richard Shelby from Alabama, the ranking Democrat, Pat Leahy from Vermont, Schumer and myself, and we're hoping to be able to do that. We've already agreed on how much we're going to spend, so we don't have to argue over that. And um, it would be an important step in the right direction to pass individual appropriation bills. Uh, in, in your <clears throat> uh, particular area of interest, this is a farm bill year, and I have always had an interest in that as a member of the Agriculture Committee but a special interest this year because I've asked Chairman Pat Roberts 
to include in the bill that he starts with. You know, every bill has to start somewhere. <laughs> and what we call it around here is the chairman's mark. In other words, the chairman lays down the first proposal and everybody reacts to it. I've asked him to put my bill to legalize hemp into the core uh, farm bill that we'll be discussing. I'm optimistic he's going to do that. And since I'm in charge of the schedule on the Senate floor, uh, I can assure you we'll be getting to the farm bill uh, as soon as possible. I'm thinking you hold the high card on that one. So if, uh, I want to come to the hemp bill, but just let me ask from a procedural standpoint. We do have the House Ag Committee that's approved yeah. a bill now, and they're trying to whip the votes to see if they can approve there. Yeah. understand from uh, Chairman Roberts that he'd like to yeah. move the bill out of committee sometime in May. Does that allow time for the upper chamber to consider what may come from the Ag Committee. Yeah, yeah, and I'll make that decision. And early consideration of the Farm Bill will happen in the Senate. The House has already passed it out of the House Agriculture Committee, and I'm told by the Speaker that they plan to take it up very soon. So we'll be in conference, hopefully before the summer's out, resolving the differences. On the hemp issue, I don't know how the House will deal with that. I know it's not in the bill that came out of committee, but... It will be in the Senate bill, and so in conference, where the House and Senate meet in conference to resolve the differences, uh, the hemp bill will be uh, on the agenda, I assure you. It should be said that hemp is not marijuana, yeah. and that, that there was a period of time, if you've been in agriculture long enough and you're uh, a student of the, the war period of time, hemp was very important for ropes. It served a purpose. It was an economic driver for rural America. How is it time, or what are the elements now that bring this back that the majority leader would offer such legislation? Well, we've learned a lot more about hemp. They may have only made rope out of it prior to World War II, but today we know hemp could end up in your car dashboard. It could end up in your food. It could end up in your medicine. We've learned it has multiple uses, and therefore we're hopeful I don't know if it could ever be as big as tobacco was in Kentucky. Probably probably not. But we're hopeful that this will be a great new area. Uh, there are plenty of hemp products in the United States. They're all imported from other countries, which is ridiculous. And uh, <clears throat> as you pointed out, it's, not, it's, it's a different plant from its illicit cousin, marijuana. Uh, four years ago, when I put the uh, pilot projects for hemp in the farm bill, it was we were still having to explain to people this was a different plant. I think we've moved beyond that now, and I think almost everybody understands that this is a, not the same plant that we're talking about. It looks similar, but isn't the same plant. Can you work with law enforcement yeah. and others who protect to make sure that we can delineate well, the two in the field? The, if my bill becomes law, here's the way it works. The Commissioner of Agriculture and our state, for example, would apply to the Secretary of Agriculture for permission to regulate. And so it, we would, first of all, uh, amend the Controlled Substances Act to make it clear that industrial hemp is not a controlled substance. Once you got permission from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the regulation would be done at the state level. And here's the way it would work. If you were a farmer in Davis County or McLean County or around where your area is and you wanted to grow it, you'd, you'd apply to Commissioner Ryan Quarles for permission. 
the local sheriff, the Davis County Sheriff or the Hancock County Sheriff or the McLean County Sheriff, would have a list of everybody in the county who had permission to grow it. If they want to go out and check, they could. If you're not on the list, you got a problem. So that's the way we would do it. We would take the regulation out of Washington and put it down into Frankfurt. Free market, no subsidies. You know, we do want hemp to be eligible for crop insurance. That's important. And that's a part of my bill. The president is holding a pretty heavy hand with regard to trade. And certainly trade retaliation is now the fear between China. Running a $375 billion deficit with a country is obviously a problem, but agriculture is afraid that they're the tip of the sword and may have to pay the price. Do you support the president's actions here now? Uh, No, I don't. And I'm not a fan of tariffs. And I think America has mostly been a winner uh, with international trade. And in particular, American agriculture has been a winner. And so there's a lot of nervousness in farm country about uh, tariffs. There's been a lot of talk about tariffs. Hopefully, in the end, they won't actually be levied. Uh, But I think this would... um, be a devastating blow to, to farm country, and I've argued strongly to the president that um, you know nobody's happy with the Chinese stealing our intellectual property, but hurting our own farmers might not be the best way uh, to stop that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm apprehensive about it. I hope it doesn't go too far and metastasize into a broad uh, trade war. One of the concerns that farmers have, obviously, is income loss. And in the omnibus appropriations that was approved earlier this year, it does give the secretary some latitude with CCC funding, and they say that would help to mitigate the loss. If you have that many commodities that suffer that big of a loss, I'm not sure that uh, the coffers of of our, our, our nation are that deep to help that much for what could certainly be a challenge for agriculture. Yeah. Well, I hope we don't end up having to do some kind of agriculture supplemental. We'll just have to see how the market develops. One of the things that also runs inside the Farm Bill and also was a part of the President's Task Force on Rural American Prosperity and Agriculture was an an emphasis on rural areas. And certainly your home state of Kentucky has a lot of rural areas. And and bubbling up out of uh, all of those hearings and testimony was the need for rural broadband. Where does that fit? Is that a policy decision? Is that an administrative decision? How do we advance that? If it happens at the federal, if, if there's an emphasis on it at the federal level, it's probably going to be in the infrastructure bill, which would be handled by the Department of Transportation. But certainly for your state, if we're looking at economic development and quality of life, uh, the, the question would be, is is broadband now as important as electricity or as telecommunications? Well, it's, certainly, and tele- it's certainly extremely important. There's no question about it. You can't function uh, efficiently in America any longer without it. The American Farm Bureau has a statement that suggests we will either import workers or we'll import more food. Immigration is a polar issue. It's proven it over the years. Is there a hope for immigration reform in this Congress? Well, most guest workers in agriculture are H-2A. The H-2B expansion would help, for example, workers at horse farms. H-2A is the program that most uh, farmers depend on, and it's never worked as well as it should have. I hope we've got a Labor Department that's more uh, sort of wants to make it work rather than the opposite, which is the case 
or during the Obama years. The president helped. You were able to bring it across the finish line along with Speaker Ryan tax reform. Now the president suggests one of his goals for this year is that infrastructure plan. Are there the resources from Washington to be able to accomplish that? And can we be successful with that in a public-private partnership? The big problem with doing a, a large infrastructure program is the question of how do you pay for it. I can't find anybody in Congress that wants to raise the gas tax, Democrat or Republican. And there's some who don't even like tolling. Uh, for example, my counterpart, Senator Schumer, says he doesn't like tolling. I said, well, Chuck, I didn't think you could go around the block in New York without paying a, <laughs> paying a toll to some, some entity. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I think the honest answer, Jeff, is I think we're going to end up with a much smaller uh, program. We authorized $10 billion this year and $10 billion next year <clears throat> in the omnibus for infrastructure. I assume that will be administered by the Department of Transportation, but I don't think we're going to be able to do something as grand as the president would like to do simply because of reluctance to raise uh, the uh, gas tax. You were able to approve tax reform, and could you already see the effects of tax reform now, and what do you expect to see as we move deeper into 18 and toward 19? It's been a huge victory for the American people. Uh, just in one area that I know is quite important to agriculture is the, uh, the death tax. We doubled the exemption on the death tax from $5 million to $10 million per person. That's $20 million a couple, which will cover most Kentucky farms. There might be a couple of really big guys that that wouldn't cover. So I think the death tax was an important step in the right direction. Most um, uh, farmers pay taxes as individuals, not as corporations. We had significant relief across the board. Uh, not only did we lower the corporate rate, we produced an essentially a deduction for pass-throughs, S-corporations, non-corporate uh, family farms, and, of course, the overall uh, rates were dropped for everyone. So what are we seeing? We're seeing pay raises, bonuses, uh, contributions to uh, charity that were not previously being made, uh, companies on their own raising the minimum wage. Uh, what we're discovering here is that when you let the American people keep more of their own money, they do good things with it. So this is an election year. The midterms are coming up. And I would just ask from your perspective, what are the issues that voters keep in mind as they prepare to go to the polls in November? Well, the history of midterm elections, particularly two years into a new administration, are not kind to the party of the president. Uh, remember, Bill Clinton lost the House and Senate two years into his first term. Barack Obama lost the House and almost lost the Senate two years into his first term. Uh, we know this is going to be a challenging year. On the Senate side, fortunately, all of us are not up under the Constitution. Only a third of the Senate's up every two years. Um, much of the opportunity for my party uh, rests in rural states that are increasingly Republican, places like Montana, North Dakota, Missouri, Indiana, and then a, a West Virginia, major places where we have pickup opportunities. 
Uh, I hope that when the smoke clears after the first uh, Tuesday in November, I'm still the majority leader and not the leader of the minority. I've been both, and majority is better. So we want to thank you, Senator McConnell, for taking time to spend with us here on this edition of Open Mic. We're inside the Beltway, and we're coast to coast. And, sir, you have the microphone. Well, look, I, I think for all of the challenges that people are confronted with on a daily basis, uh, things coming out of Washington, I think it's a good time to focus on what's going right. This is still the best country in the world. Uh, we have low unemployment. We have a booming economy. People are able to keep more of their own money. Uh, we have much to be grateful for. I wouldn't trade being uh, an American for uh, belonging to any other country in the world. Our thanks to U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.